Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, people, fantasy draft season is over, and you, Brewski, 150 your way to a hell of a team. The season is here, and the fantasy pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 a month. And now that we're into the regular season, there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month for just five bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel it. We know you'll love it. You'll say you'll keep it. But anyways, it's nice to have options in life. The Fantasy Pass has everything you need to dominate all year long. Updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the Hoop Ball Discord server, where you can hang out with all our Hoop Ball pros, including myself, around the clock to get one-on-one help with your team. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall and get the plug for your success for the fantasy basketball season. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. Yeah. Hello and welcome back to Hoop Ball Hawks, the show here on the Hoop Ball Network that is taking flight. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm recording this episode on Wednesday, March 17th, after last night's win versus the Houston Rockets to make it six, 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 six in a row right now for the Atlanta Hawks. They are hot, one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now since Nick McMillan has took over as interim coach. He has boasted a record of 8-1 in totality this year when he has led the team. And they are 6-0 since the firing of Lloyd Pierce. And Nick McMillan has taken over the day-to-day coaching responsibilities. In the last 10 games, the Hawks have been surging. They are currently 7-3 in the last 10 games. And the Hawks have not won six games in a row since January 10th, 2017. So it's been a while. So, But I will start off with this. For all those skeptics, trolls, people poking holes in the fact that the Hawks, in the midst of a six-game winning streak, they've played lesser talent. I mean, we're going to call it what it is. And the Hawks, you play who was available when you're in the NBA, when you're in any sport. You play who's available for you. The Hawks have several people hurt. We're playing with who we have available. Same things with these other teams. So 
no matter who was available, who was not, it's hard to win games in sports, period. I don't, and I don't think people who maybe have not played at a high level, if you ever were an athlete collegially, professionally, you know how much preparation work goes into game planning for a game and then going out and executing to try to win a game. You could do everything right and lose. And you could do everything wrong and get embarrassed. And if you have not played at a high level in a sport or high level just with anything that you do as far as competition, it is hard to win, let alone in the National Basketball Association. So anybody dismissing the fact that the Hawks have a six-game winning streak, you're either a hater or you're just salty. And in the end, that's a you problem. You need to get over that. Because six games, no matter who you're playing, is great. It does wonders for a team's confidence. It helps build continuity and develop more team chemistry, stronger bonds between players, stronger bonds between the players and the coach and the training staff, everybody involved right now. It, it, everyone has a hand in the success that's going on right now for the Hawks. So for anyone to dismiss that or belittle that, you're a joke. You're just a flat-out joke. And everybody wishing the Hawks to fail because you maybe did not want Lloyd Pierce to get fired. And now Nate McMillan with the same pieces that Lloyd Pierce had available to him, more or less with the injuries. If you're wishing for him to fail and not succeed, that is a you problem. That is a you problem. And don't worry, the Atlanta Hawks are not worried about you. They're worried about getting these dubs and stacking them up as they're trying to make it towards their goal of the NBA playoffs, hopefully at the end of this season. But like I said, this team is doing what they're supposed to do now. They're beating teams who are lesser competition, in my opinion, and to the majority, lesser competition, and they're winning. And it's about damn time they started doing that. And I'm happy. Even though the wins have not been pretty, they haven't been perfect in these games. Wins are wins. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the streak this team is currently on and how they have help on the way and still some questions to answer as they're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline. And we're going to introduce a very special guest after this plug from my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%. Just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code Hoopball to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. 
All right, and we are back, and I start off with some hot fire. Shout out to Dylon, as we have someone who always spits hot fire in the booth today. He's a friend of the program, my homie, my brother. He's been under wraps for too long, and it's time to unleash the beast. Unleash the beast. That is Mr. Swagoo himself, Mr. Drip, Captain Drip. He has so many names. The talented undisputed heavyweight take champion of the world mr david bracy is here on the program today my boy david how are we doing this evening oh brad i appreciate the phenomenal intro and we're feeling pretty good over here you know feels good to be back you know absolutely we're in the booth and we're going to keep it as consistent and hopefully a little controversial as possible but in a good way in a good way you know we have fun with it we always have fun with it. We always have fun with it. And I know David Bracey, he is a big, you know, Slim Reaper, you know, KD fan. And KD has been sidelined and he needs to be freed for the Nets. Uh, not, you know, for the sake of the Hawks, obviously, but just for the sake of basketball. And here on the network, he's been sidelined for a little bit. But David, I'm happy to free you on this program. Talk some hoops, talk some Hawks basketball and just talk about what's been going on recently. So guys, get ready, you know, hang on to your seats, whatever you got to hang on to, maybe, you know, clutch a pillow or something, because we're we, we going we gonna to dig deep into some conversation today about the success and things that can, can still continue to improve on as far as the Hawks team uh, going forward, especially with this tough West Coast road trip starting Saturday in Tinseltown in Los Angeles. This current 68 win streak started before the All-Star break, it was after the firing of Coach Lloyd Pierce. Since they fired Lloyd Pierce, they've been undefeated, as I said before. Started off by beating Miami in Miami, although they did not have Jimmy Butler available. The Hawks did what they were supposed to do. They lost the first game of a two-game series down in Miami. They won the second one to split it. That is great on their part. They came out a little sluggish, a little slow against the Orlando Magic, and they ended up being down by 19 in the fourth quarter to come back on the road before All-Star break to beat the Orlando Magic. Wasn't pretty, but hey, a win is a win. And we talk about how bad they have been in the fourth quarter under Lloyd Pierce with fourth quarter collapses and just not playing well in the fourth quarter, not finishing games. They're doing that. That's one of the things that's changed in the last few games. We talked about last episode how crucial it was for the Hawks, the first five games out of All-Star break, to win as many of those games as possible against, as I said, winnable opponents ahead of this eight-game West Coast road trip that will last them two weeks starting on Saturday in L.A. And historically, these trips are either really good for teams, they get to have a chance to grow together, spend more time together. You know, they're in the same hotel. They're not going to their different residence like they do here in Atlanta. Hopefully, they get some time to just, you know, watch film together, hang out, talk, small talk, generate some chemistry and, you know, they're away from home, so it's basically them against the world for an extended period of time. And that's the, you know, the potential positives of this West Coast road trip. And the potential struggles is they lose quite a few games because the competition stiffens up. And this train that they are, you know, starting to get some momentum currently as it goes down the track can be derailed by lack of success potentially in this West Coast road trip. So, David, I want to ask you, how crucial is it? for the Hawks to have a very successful West Coast road trip. I'm not going to ask for predictions yet. We'll talk about that a little later in the program. But just the potential impact for this team going forward if they want to be a playoff team. 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, personally for me, I definitely, like you said, you know, you got to tip your your hat to the Hawks there. They had some pretty good wins on this six-game win streak that they currently find themselves in the midst of. You know, you probably kind of expected them to get a win over the Kings, who unfortunately are just kind of forever a mess. Um, hopefully they kind of get that figured out here soon. Uh, you expect them to be able to pull it out, you know, down the stretch against the Magic. I think that as far as the balance of talent there, you could definitely lean a little bit more heavily on the Hawks than the Magic's roster, especially given how injury-plagued Orlando has definitely been this season. But like you said, to their credit, you know, that's a that's a good victory against the, the Toronto Raptors. That's a good team. You know, regardless of who was available, who wasn't, that's a good team. It's a good organization. It's a good win against the Miami Heat. Um, you know, I think, you know, even a good win against the Cavaliers, who have been a pretty chippy team, and we have seen their ability to come back or make games, late games, very interesting. So I think those are substantial wins. Um, this is going to be a big test for them on this, on this road trip, just as you said. You know, they, they got the Thunder tomorrow, you know, and then shortly thereafter, they're going to be going up against the, the Lakers and the Clippers in 48-hour period. Uh, again, they're going to get to go back to the Kings, hopefully, you know, get another substantial win there as well. Um, and then they're going to, you know, have a Trey Young's going to have a little showdown with Steph Curry in the Bay. And then they're going to get a good test against the Nuggets and against, you know, what is looking like a possible title contender in the Suns. So the the road ahead is definitely going to be one of of great difficulty, but it will say a lot about where the Hawks are mentally and otherwise depending on how they are able to handle this, this second half of, of, of this stretch here. Cause I mean, if they, in, in my opinion, you know, if they, if they come away from this, these potential 12 games, you know, eight and four or, you know, nine and three, I mean, we, we really are going to have to take a moment to talk about where the Hawks should be and what potentially is going to be the playoff picture in the East with a little bit more legitimacy here. Um, and if it goes the opposite way, you know, again, I, I, I even still don't think you can really hold too much against them, depending on availability here, because uh, these are going to be some really good teams. Like I said, I mean, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Suns, the Nuggets. I mean, those are all definite title contenders. And Steph Curry very clearly is no joke. Some of the other people on the roster may be, but Steph Curry is not. So uh, th- those are going to be solid games here, you know, um, and they're getting started against the Thunder. So it's a very good warm up because you never know what the Thunder are going to do. Are they going to try to win the game or are they going to try to get some draft picks? You know, it, it remains to be seen with the deadline getting very, very close here. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good test for the Hawks and, and the new coach, Nate McMillan. And uh, I know OKC made some moves today. They got rid of Trevor Ariza. We really don't know what they're doing. Quarry assets, you know, it's OKC. And the Hawks lost to OKC a few weeks ago, who we obviously, like I said, we, we play tomorrow. And ahead of tomorrow's matchup versus the Thunder, the Hawks currently sit at seventh in the East when you talk about playoff picture. And that's where last program I projected they would end this year being the seventh seed and potentially going against the Philadelphia 76ers as, that I had projected to be the two seed as I expect the Brooklyn Nets once everyone's healthy to finish out as the one seed in the East. But the Hawks at seven and a record of 20 and 20 right now, they currently sit at half a game ahead of the Knicks at eight. And they are two games back from the Miami Heat, who are currently the fourth seed in the East. So we talk about how crucial it is for them to, you know, have the success they've had, you know, to this point and the success they need to have in this West Coast road trip. Even though they play a home game tomorrow against the Thunder, it starts tomorrow because the Thunder, they're no slouches. They play teams pretty tough. I'm going to talk first, David, about your thoughts since, you know, they've been hot this far 
the change from Lloyd Pierce and how the Hawks have responded. What are, what is your thoughts about that situation? I know there was some mixed emotions, but I know the overwhelming majority that I've heard was it was time for a change. But what was your thoughts from the Hawks moving on from Lloyd Pierce and then their response from the organization making that move from here? Yeah, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a double-edged sword there, you know, to Lloyd Pierce's credit. Did he necessarily have all the tools that they, you know, went out of their way to provide for him over the, you know, the past offseason? Did he necessarily have all those tools at his disposal during his tenure? No, you know, but again, more so than ever, I guess you could say, we're 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 dealing with a set of very precarious circumstances on a on a day-to-day basis as far as roster construction because of the virus. And, you know, you add on injuries, which are always going to be a part of the game. Um, and, you know, it can make situations very difficult. So, unfortunately for Lloyd, um, that, that, that really what it was. You know, he, he didn't have all the pieces in place. And maybe if he had, you know, the, the roster would have looked a little bit better. They would have been able to get a couple more quality wins down the stretch. And games kind of wouldn't have ran away from him at the end there. But there was just not that. That just wasn't, you know, meant to be. And when you hear, you know, the reports coming out of the athletic and, other, you know, reputable news sources about kind of the turmoil, you know, in the locker room, uh, the uncertainty of, you know, where guys feel their places, not only on the roster, but in the long-term future of the organization and franchise, a lot of things going on simultaneously that really, I think just clouded Atlanta's ability to really focus on what's the task at hand, which is not only, you know, winning games, but making the playoffs, stepping into, you know, uh, potential championship contention down the road. You know, obviously nobody was really expecting Atlanta to make the Eastern Conference Finals in their first season with a completely new roster. But I mean, definitely make the playoffs. You know, and it was not it was not looking like that was going to be the case when we got started here. So Lloyd had to go. When you have you know players and fans all kind of humming the same tune, uh, it this it just you know it just is what it is and. Uh, sorry to uh, stray away from this here, but it looks like the Milwaukee Bucks just acquired PJ Tucker, and that's going to be a real problem for the East. It's going to be yeah, a very saw, real problem. I, I saw that. I was. I was. going to be a very real problem. Yeah, we're going to have to because uh, we didn't have the pleasure of going against whoa. PJ uh, last night. So uh, yeah, we're going to have the pleasure of going against uh, PJ in a few weeks here in about three and a half weeks when uh, we do play the Bucks when they come to Atlanta. So that's a very, very big move on the part of the Milwaukee Bucks in the East and it continues to try to have the Bucks be competitive and keep pace with, you know, the top half, which we're talking about the Nets and the Sixers. So it just makes things more difficult. It just makes things more difficult. But, hey, like you said, no one's expecting the Hawks to win it all. We just want them to be in the playoffs and be competitive. And that's what we're seeing from them now. They have certainly have been competitive uh, with Nate McMillan at the helm, which I said earlier, 8-1 uh, when he has been the coach this year. And since he's been under the title interim coach, undefeated. You talked about the, the players needing change, and they got the change they wanted and how they responded. Do you think that the response with, of how you know they responded to – McMillan versus Lloyd Pierce, what they talked about in the, uh, in the athletic, which seems like just a disconnect between Lloyd Pierce and the players and maybe a lack of trust between Lloyd Pierce and the players because of, 
you know, the conversations they tried to have with him, do you think that maybe even going into the year, maybe they shouldn't even have Lloyd Pierce as the head coach? It, even That may be a bad question because I feel like, you know, he definitely deserved a chance to have an opportunity to have a, a pretty good sample size with the full deck uh, that they have obviously acquired through the offseason with the offseason acquisitions in this recurring roster. But do you think that the writing was pretty much on the wall going into the season for Lloyd Pierce? Yeah, I mean, to me, the, the writing was on the wall in the sense that when I look at that roster and I look at the coach, the former head coach, my question was, who does he align with? Because it did not seem like he aligned well with the front office. It did not seem he, like he aligned well with Trey Young or John Collins, who at the time, I mean, were definitely the, you know, the cornerstone pieces of that roster. So my question was, who is he there to coach? Who's he there to coach? And when you have a coach who doesn't mesh well with any of the players, especially the better ones, um, you know, and doesn't necessarily, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I couldn't sit here and tell you what Lloyd Pierce's specific coaching identity and specialty would be. It becomes an untenable situation, especially again, when you have a, you know, a guy who in, in a lot of ways is a little bit more recognized uh, in the league you know, sitting right next to him and Nate McMillan, you know, a guy who has had a, a modicum level of success, you know, on multiple different franchise rosters, uh, who's well-respected around the league, who who clearly knows what he's doing um, and who has, in my opinion, you know, a little bit more cachet with some of these superstars, some of these young guys, because uh, that's really what you need. Atlanta has a very young roster. They have a very young superstar. And what a lot of these younger guys don't want is, you know, some old head, looking to crack the whip and make them do sprints every day of practice. You know, that that's just not going to, that's not going to get you off on the right foot, especially late in games when you really do need to be able to, you know, rattle when these guys cages get rattled and you need to be able to look them in the eyes and tell them, here's what we're going to do. And here's how you're going to get it done. You know, you have to, you have to be able to, to approach that conversation with some sense of, again, recognition. And I just don't think Lloyd Pierce ever really had that from, from any parties in, in the Atlanta Hawks. So it, you know, again, it just became a situation where the rubber met the road. And fortunately for Atlanta, they had a more than qualified replacement sitting right next to him on the bench. So kind of seemed like a no brainer. Yeah. And it's funny how you talk about identity with Lloyd Pierce. Uh, he was known in the league as a player development coach, which now in the NBA, how much can you really attribute? you know, the player development uh, as far as for young players to the head coaches when they all have their own skills, coaches that they work with on the offseason and trainers and whatnot. How much can you really, you know, credit him to the development of Trey Young and John Collins uh, in their short time here in Atlanta uh, being in the league? And as well as he was known as a defensive coach and defensively they were really bad the first two years with Lloyd Pierce as the head coach, even though he is a young head coach. So that is something to, you know, throw him a bone there, but they weren't good defensively. And then you bring Nate McMillan in who is known as a defensive minded coach behind you. And they do improve defensively this year. And they necessarily didn't add a bunch of pieces that were known as great defenders, you know, outside of Chris Dunn, who hadn't even touched the floor this year. And when everything was working, at some point, at the at their best, they were 11th in defensive efficiency in the NBA. And they didn't have that before under Lloyd Pierce. So how much can you really attribute that to Lloyd Pierce? How much can you attribute that to having 
Nate McMillan on the bench as an assistant coach, not having the head coach duties and maybe being in charge of the defensive game plan, which led to better defensive numbers. So I feel like it was a lose-lose situation. He was in a, you know, he was in a situation that he really couldn't win unless he exceeded expectations. As I said, you know, multiple times in the program before he did get fired that he is going to have to exceed expectations from the Hawks to bring him back. And then the lull that, you know, transpired in the blown fourth quarter leads to losing the winnable games. You know, you lose twice to Charlotte, you lose twice to Cleveland, and where you collapse in the fourth quarter, you lose to the Knicks twice. I mean, those are games. I mean, even though, you know, all three of those teams are playing better ball this year. Those are winnable games when you look at, you know, the Hawks roster from top to bottom and then you look at those other teams rosters. So it was just it was just a lose lose situation. And I'm really happy to see that the Hawks players are responding to Nick McMillan. And I tweeted the other night, I said that it's it's amazing what you can get out of players when they trust and respect their coach. Because that's what I'm seeing. And you spoke to it about how, you know, late game situations, you know, the coach is going to have to, you know, look, look the players in the eye and say, hey, we're doing this. And they're going to have to, you know, believe it, believe that, you know what, he's putting us in the right situation to succeed and go out there and do it. And a lot of times under Lloyd Pierce, I did not see that. I didn't see that in the huddle. I didn't see that he commanded that huddle like that with Trey Young still. And I, I will ask you about this with Trey Young still trying to find out how, you know, the best leadership style for him. Obviously, is it leading by example? Obviously, he has the, you know, the best numbers on the team, but he's not really a vocal leader. You know, no one really has those roles as, you know, being vocal outside of, you know, Solomon Hill, who just came on his team, and they're still building, building continuity and figuring out their roles. So I always said that, you know, the head coach is going to have to be that voice when you have such young players, as far as your young core, who are still trying to figure out themselves as men let alone figure out themselves how they're going to be leaders on this team. And they just weren't getting that with LP. So as much as, you know, people are waiting for, you know, McMillan to fail so they can say we shouldn't have got rid of LP. Do you think that all that I said definitely played a factor into them making this decision when they did, as far as the Hawks organization, letting go LP? You mean in regard to the organization just feeling like they're not getting the most out of Trey Young? Not necessarily getting the most out of Trey Young. I'm saying that 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 Lloyd Pierce, his leadership skills were lacking, and that's what that what this young team really needed is just a leader at head coach that they trust and believe in, and then it elevates the team's play, which is kind of what we're seeing right now with uh, McMillan. Oh, absolutely! I think that that's a very valid point. Um, I think 100% because, again, like you said, Trey Young is still trying to figure out, you know, what kind of play. I think he knows. Let me correct that. I think Trey Young knows very clearly what kind of player he is or at least desires to be. Um, because, in my opinion, when you're as talented as somebody like Trey Young is, you have the ability to change your game at any point um, within reason. You know, obviously, physical limitations are one thing, but his game, you know, you can change at any point in time when you're as talented as he is. Um, but Trey Young still has yet to identify who he is as a leader, who he is as a point guard, who he is in the last two minutes of the game when you're down by five. Is he taking those shots? Is he taking the 30-40 footer to put you down by two? Or is he finding somebody cutting to the hoop to put you down by three? Is he looking to tie the game or win the game? Is he looking for the hockey assist? Or is he looking for the triple-double? These are questions that I think 
are are you know still still kind of pressing for Trey Young, and he's very very young. You know, Trey is young. Clearly, I mean, he has time to figure it out. So I don't think that there should be any you know kind of emphasis or rush for him to overnight become this just you know Chris Paul level of point guard as far as his aptitude and pace and feel for the game and the right decision and you know just this spotless resume because Trey's Trey's game is more erratic than Chris Paul and again it's because of how offensively talented he is I mean you know you're gonna have nights where as you see it's it's ice trade a gang and then you have other nights where it's just a tray of ice in the back of your freezer you know with nine turnovers and you know not very good field goal percentage and you you wonder what was his real impact on the game more so oftentimes with me oftentimes when i wonder about trey young's impact on the game it's not his impact on the box score it's his impact on his teammates and it can be a very disheartening experience when you find yourself open or you find yourself trying to initiate a play or set up the offense and your floor general has just pulled up from 30 35 plus feet now, in the situations where that goes in, oh, my God, you know, momentum through the roof. You know, as Michael Jordan said, ceiling is a roof, straight through it, okay? But on the times when those shots are air balls or ricochets or he had a wide-open teammate that he just didn't take the time to see, take the time to let the offense set itself, those are the times where, especially late in games, the Hawks were falling apart. And to your point, I think that that is a a leadership situation. And when you don't have necessarily that high level on floor leadership, on court leadership, you need it on the sideline. And in my opinion, Nate McMillan carries that cachet and has that in spades much more than the former coach, Lloyd Pierce. 100%, 100%. And then in his streak, Trey Young hasn't put up just, you know, crazy numbers and I think that we can kind of attribute that to the, you know, the break that some of these veterans got because Rondo's been playing better. Gallinari has been, you know, shooting lights out since the All-Star break and has had some really great games. You know, Nathan Knight's been stepping up. Uh, it was Skylar Mays, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, rounding into form. Other people are stepping up. Kevin Herter's been looking good. You know, John Collins is John Collins, you know, and we had Capella out, but, you know, when he's in, you know, Capella is a consistent force for this team. It's about everybody else around Trey Young stepping up. And I think that more so is going to be what gets this team over the hump as far as playoffs and make it, you know, maybe a potentially a competitive series. Because when it's not all on Trey Young's shoulders, sure, he can score, he can dish out the ball, he can do all the things necessary to put the team in position to win. But sometimes he's called on to do too much. And I think that was led. That's what led to some of the collapses in the fourth quarter, the turnovers, and being fatigued. And one thing that Nick McMillan has done a better job at than Lloyd Pierce is really managing the players' minutes better. They are their minutes are being managed so much better, so that these players are not, you know, being ran to the ground. They're not having certain lineups out there for too long. They're you know saving people's legs for the right times and games. And I think that that's just a product of Nick McMillan being a tenured coach. Versus, you know, Lloyd Pierce, who was in his third year before obviously being relieved of his duties. So great conversation there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about John Collins and the decision Hawks have to make leading up to the trade deadline. And as well as, again, we're going to talk about 
our projections of the West Coast Road Trip. And help is on the way. So we'll get into all of that after this plug for Bruce Letter. Okay, quickly, we need to pause the show for an announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes. Back and fresh for the 2020-2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, the GOAT, is writing an email newsletter filled with its most intimate fantasy nuggets. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website. It's not on any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in an email newsletter. And you can sign up to get it for free. I said it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021. And you get it straight from the GOAT and Brewski into your inbox and enjoy the nuggets to help you succeed in your fantasy basketball league. All right, and we are back. We're going to talk about John Collins. And for people who are first-time listeners of the show, I'm going to continue to remain firm in my stance. I don't think we should trade John Collins, especially if there's not a great deal out there. I don't think we should trade John Collins. But if we don't trade John Collins, the Hawks must sign him this offseason because you don't want to lose him for nothing. I've seen people tweet and say that we don't want to trade John Collins. And rightfully so. Fans don't want to see players who they've grown attached to uh, being traded. No one wants that to happen. Me being a Pelicans fan, seeing, you know, Anthony Davis being traded, seeing Baron Davis being traded, seeing Chris Paul being traded, letting David West go, you know, seeing players leave your organization is not, it's a hard pill to swallow. It is. But I'd rather get something back for them than to just let them walk out the door and be like a Bogdanovich situation this summer, like the, with the Kings last summer with Bogey. And that's how we got Bogey here in Atlanta. And we're not complaining about how we got Bogey. We're not. But we don't want that to be the case as far as for John Collins. So, We've heard interest from, you know, the Celtics, you know, T-Wolves have been thrown out of there, and as well as the Warriors. David, what do you think the Hawks should do as far as with John Collins? You know, honestly, I definitely think that it doesn't hurt to see what his market value is in a trade. Um, just because I, I don't know how great the fit is with him and Trey Young, especially given a lot of the, you know, insights we've seen from some of the reporting, kind of illuminating uh, – the disagreements, you could say, between those two who, in my opinion, are two most talented players on the roster. Now, you could say, you know, Clint Capella is a little bit better than John Collins. I think that it's more of a Clint Capella. Let me correct that. It's more of a Clint Capella is a better fit with Trey Young than John Collins because Clint Capella is completely content catching lobs and running the floor to play defense, whereas John Collins, you know, I think fancies himself having a little bit more swagger than just being, you know, your your stretch big, uh, which, you know, again, these guys, you know, spent their whole life trying to hone their craft. I'm not going to tell John Collins what kind of player he is. And especially given what, you know, we've seen some people get in the open market as far as contracts go, 
I mean, get paid, young brother, get paid. And I expect him to. Um, so it's a situation where if the Hawks are willing to potentially go into the luxury tax and pay John Collins a good amount because Trey Young is definitely going to get a fat contract coming up here as soon as he's eligible. So you're going to have to just prepare for that. Um, and, you know, Clint Capella is probably going to, you know, not going to be very cheap to retain either. So you have to think about those type of things. But if you are going to trade Collins, you know, it's just a question of what do you get back for him? If you're going after draft picks, I, you know, I can see where you value them being, you know, in a in a market that hasn't necessarily always been a hotbed for free agents. But given your your track record from this last offseason, I don't think you really necessarily need to worry about not being able to draw talent into Atlanta. Very clearly didn't have a whole lot of problems with that over the summer. So draft picks, you know, to me, it's kind of a it's very dependent draft picks and their value are very circumstantial, in my opinion to the franchise and the franchise's location as far as market. Um, so you could go that route, but definitely in my opinion, your best bet would be to bring actual talent into the roster as immediately as possible because John Collins is a guy who provides you points. He provides you rebounds. He provides you defensive versatility and he provides you athleticism, you know, from, from, you know, the big position, which is a commodity in the NBA. So if you're going to get rid of him, what are you getting back in the immediate or what are the potential re- future returns on investment or divestment from that asset would be, would be my biggest questions for the Atlanta Hawks. So depending on what the answers are to both of those questions, I mean, I don't think either way is a bad move, but ultimately we, we, I think we're both going to agree on the fact that the Hawks are not going to want to pay John Collins what his, what his, his market value is going to be as a free agent. They're, they're not going to want to do that. And I think the worst thing that for the Hawks, that the Hawks had happened this past off season was, Giannis Antetokounmpo signing that extension in uh, Milwaukee because all these teams that were gearing up for the Giannis sweepstakes this upcoming offseason with all this money that they were saving to pay him, John Collins is going to be in prime position as a four who's a better three-point shooter than Giannis and a better free throw shooter than Giannis. And I would say probably equally as athletic as Giannis, you know, when you, you know, compare heights and stuff, uh, obviously some of the intangibles that Giannis has just makes, obviously Giannis the, you know, MVP, one of multiple time MVP. But in that same breath, you know, John Collins is going to command money because there's not a huge market this offseason for players in his position. He's probably one of the best forwards available this offseason. So he's going to warn himself a wonderful payday. And it just would, be a very tough pill to swallow for this Hawks organization to let him walk for nothing and not try to sign him unless you obviously try to trade him for value. And it's a matter of, like you said, what they're going to get back. But as I said, I love having John Collins on his team. If they're not going to give him more touches as far as, cause he is a player that wants the ball in his hand. He can shoot the ball. He needs to continue to get better and better at putting the ball on the floor, but he's shown the capability to do that. He just needs to be in a place where he has an opportunity to showcase that. And I know that I've, I know Allen, my friend Allen has mentioned, you know, hell, Brad Bill swap for John Collins and put a package there. Boston, I'm sure, would, you know, love to do a trade with us. I know I've thrown out Michael Porter Jr., just, you know, do a swap there. And, you know, it would be a wonderful three-headed monster in Denver between, you know, Murray, Jokic, and John Collins. And you get a young, talented player in MPJ who is friends with Trey Young. 
and see where it goes from there. But, you know, the Hawks have questions to answer, and luckily they have time, but time is not a luxury that they can afford as, you know, the 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 timer is ticking to, you know, trade deadline. So they're going to have to make a tough decision pretty soon. Moving on in the conversation, uh, I, w- I wanted to get your take as far as we talked about the West Coast road trip. You, you, you listed teams we played. We have to try to keep pace in the East. As I said before, four and a half games are separating the four seed Miami Heat from the 11 seed Toronto Raptors. Both LA teams, Sacramento, Golden State, Denver, Phoenix, San Antonio, and my New Orleans Pelicans. That is their two-week trip. What is your projection for them this trip? What record do you see them going? Because let's say they win tomorrow against OKC to go to 21 and 20, above 500, got a long, long winning streak, and then they have a tough stretch. And them going undefeated and then maybe going 500, even if they go one game below 500 on his road trip out west, I think that bodes well for them as far as, you know, their schedule the rest of the way, because this is easily the toughest part of their schedule. Uh, They have some tough opponents. As I said, they they play the Milwaukee Bucks twice. They have a two-game series against the Sixers. They welcome in the Suns to Atlanta. They welcome in the Trailblazers to Atlanta. So there's there's still some tough games to be had in the second half of this uh, regular season for the Hawks, but what do you project the Hawks going in this West Coast road trip? Well, you know, as I as I look at it, I mean, they're, they're starting off with the Lakers. So if, if LeBron's playing, uh, it's going to be a tall task. Then you go to the Clippers. The Clippers, that could honestly go either way, again, depending on who's available for the Clippers and also depending on how badly they care to win. Because the Clippers are just a franchise that will forever haunt me and my decision to think that they were championship <laughs> contenders last season. But they haunt we everybody. will discuss that off air because I will say some things you should never say on air in that regard. So we'll save that for another date. Um, the Kings, as I said, you know, that's uh, that is an unfortunate situation. Not a whole lot of royals over there. You know what I'm saying? A lot of a lot of peasants, unfortunately. And I feel very bad for some of the talented players on that roster because that franchise is just a mess. So hopefully the Hawks are able to go into Sacramento, you know, and get a win there. Again, they got the Warriors. The Warriors have been very hot and cold. Some nights Steph Curry looks like the MVP. Uh, other nights uh, he looks just very tired, you know, very tired. So that could be a good win for him if they're able to pull that out. Definitely be a good test for Trey Young going up against Steph Curry. Um, and then, you know, they got the Nuggets. The, the Nuggets are are no joke. I think that's going to be a really, really hard game for them to win. I think that the Suns and the Nuggets are going to be the biggest challenges for the Hawks for two different reasons, respectively. As far as the Nuggets go, I think it's going to be a real be a real test for them because they – I mean, they got Clint Capella down low, but, man, Jokic is a problem. He's a real problem. We're talking about an MVP candidate on the low post. I mean, Clint Capella is a very great defender. And John Collins, I think, does an admirable job as well on the low block. But Jokic is 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 the real deal this season. I mean, so it's going to be a big test for him because they don't have a, just a clear answer for him. And then and, when you go into Phoenix, and David, can I can I jump in real quick? Uh, yeah. Another thing that goes in your favor in this in this conversation, the Hawks beat Denver last time. Jokic did not play well. Capella had played really good defense, but it was a real team effort as far as 
how they defended Jokic and really jumping into his passing lanes to force a lot of turnovers and force a lot of tough shots. And his jump shot wasn't really going that game. So Denver's going to have that revenge factor in that game. So that I 100% agree that Denver game is going to be very, very tough, especially since they fell to the Hawks here in Atlanta about a month ago. Yeah, absolutely. Just like you said, I mean, Jokic is incredibly skilled and he makes all his teammates around him. I mean, so much better. I think him and LeBron are probably, I think him and LeBron are probably the two guys that really just, I mean, the, the way that they elevate their teammates play is, is incredible. I think you probably put Harden in that conversation too, a little bit different there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be, it's going to be a good test for him. And then the Phoenix Suns, I mean, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, both in my opinion, are MVP candidates the way the Suns have been playing. You got DeAndre Ayton, who is an up-and-coming big. I think it'll be really fun to see him and Capella going against each other. Um, and then, you know, depending on what Phoenix is able to do before, uh, you know, the deadline, if they bring in another power forward, like a LaMarcus Aldridge potentially or an Andre Drummond, you know, this again, if John Collins is still in the house, it's going to be a really good challenge for him as well, too, and really see where his value is at going up against some of the more established names uh, in the NBA at that at that forward position. So, going to be a good test and then obviously the point guard cp3 himself it doesn't get no better as far as testing where you are as a point guard than going up against chris paul i mean so for trey young to really be able to go out there and elevate his team really be able to successfully play make um and continue to be able to score in an efficient manner uh, i think if he's able to walk away from that game checking all those boxes the atlanta hawks should feel really really good about themselves i mean independent of you know the final score because as you said, you know that's that's kind of gonna that's kind of gonna be in the in the tail end of their road trip, and it's a long one. So we, we kind of know how that goes. People are ready to get back home, and as long as the Hawks don't seem more ready to go back home than ready to take care of business, uh, I, I think that the Nate McMillan and the front office should feel pretty good about it. Absolutely. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I think that if they can win four four of the eight games, I think it really helps them. I think it really does help them down the stretch. And I said, worst case scenario, they go three and five in that, in that trip. I think they may steal one or two there. I think Sacramento is, is a winnable game. San Antonio is a winnable game. They're going to have the revenge factor. New Orleans. Uh, I think I see that, you know, it's, even though I'm speaking against my Pelicans, that's a winnable game for the Hawks. In my opinion, you know, it's a coin flip as far as, you know, the Clippers last time we played the Clippers, we beat them, but they did not have Kawhi or PG available. And their availability, like you said, is spotty from night to night. So worst case, if they go three and five this road trip and they end up winning tomorrow against the Thunder, they would just be one game under 500 at 24 and 25 coming back home to play the Warriors, who, depending on how that matchup goes when they're on ESPN, which uh, last time they were on ESPN against the, the Mavericks, they put on a good show. I mean, obviously they lost at the end to the Mavericks. I think they're going to put on a good show just because, you know, Warriors, Steph Curry, Trey, you know, the lore, you know, of being on ESPN trying to put on a show. Uh, I'm sure John Collins is going to try to put on a show. You know, Clint Capella should be healthy. DeAndre Hunter, which we're going to talk about DeAndre Hunter next. Real quick, because help is on the way for the Hawks. DeAndre Hunter participated in some parts of practice today. Some speculated that he could be could be back tomorrow against the Thunder, but Nick McMillan did shoot that down today, saying that 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 no, he's not going to be back tomorrow. But he's looking good. We're just waiting on word from the doctor, so it's possible on this eight game road trip they're going to get DeAndre Hunter back. And Coach Nate McMillan said that this is the first 
practice in a while where almost everyone was participating in some form of practice outside of Cam Reddish, who will be out for over a month with an Achilles injury. But that means, as I said, we had Bogey come back recently. Gallinari's healthy. Rondo looks healthy. Chris Dunn could be making his debut soon. We're going to get DeAndre Hunter back, who, when he went down with the injury before the month of February, he was the Hawks' second leading scorer. And it was, you know, well known that he was easily one of the best defenders on the team, if not the best. So, with help on the way, their deck of cards starting to get filled back up, you know, to full strength. How crucial will it be to get DeAndre Hunter back for this eight-game stretch? I would say, you know, on a scale of one to ten, I would say probably, I'd say probably a six. You know, definitely because of just what he brings defensively and his ability to switch and his ability to guard multiple positions, um, and him and him being a young body who you know probably has a pretty good motor once he gets back into you know game shape, uh, game conditioning. So. Definitely, it would benefit the Hawks just by having another guy. Um, as you're going up against these teams that have some some very talented wings, especially you know looking at the Clippers, you know you talk about the Lakers. Obviously, they're not going to have AD, but still, you know you know you got LeBron James on the wing. You know you look at the Kings, depending on what they do with Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes is a pretty solid wing that you'd be able to throw DeAndre Hunter in the mix with. Um, you know, De'Aaron Fox is a is a big guard. You know, just to be able to have another another very skilled defender. Um, I think it's definitely to their benefit on a very tough road trip. So you'd love to have him. But, I mean, at the end of the day, DeAndre Hunter, you know, is a very young player. He is far from established. Um, And I think that the biggest intangibles for him as far as what he brings to the table to this point in his career, which, again, is very, very green. He is very, very young. Uh, To this point in his career, his his biggest benefit to the team is going to be his defensive versatility, not so much his offensive skill set. So, Again, you know, depending on what these games look like in the last two minutes, you'd love to have DeAndre Hunter uh, just to help you close them out. Definitely. I I know that when he is on the court with JC and Capella, you know, the defensive numbers are a lot better. It is no coincidence that they were 12th, 13th in the defensive efficiency before he went down with the injury and their defensive numbers have tanked since he's been gone. So it'll be great to have him back. And one of the things that I've really been excited to see about from DeAndre Hunter this year is just how he's not afraid on the offensive end. He's not afraid of the moment. He's not afraid of, you know, taking on, you know, whoever is guarding him. I mean, there was moments in the Nets game where he had KD on him. And he didn't care that KD was on him. He was going to pull up and hit a jumper. And so just his confidence continuing to grow, but he's going to definitely going to have to get back in the game shape and Bogey coming back, trying to get back in the game shape, get back in the flow. It's been a real plus for this Hawks team and someone who has not even touched the floor. I'm really excited for Chris Dunn to finally be healthy for this team because one of the things that the Hawks struggle with defensively is guarding the point of attack. And that is an extreme strong suit for Chris Dunn. And to have him back, just on the defensive end, I mean, we'll round in the shape as far as offensively for whatever he's going to do for this team. Even though he's not known for his offensive game, he's just known for, you know, just layups uh, for the most part. But defensively, he can be a stopper on on the perimeter. And it's going to be great to get him back just to just have another body to spell. As far as guards are concerned, you know, when you have Skylar Mays, you have Brandon Goodwin, you have Rondo, who is getting up there in age just to have Chris Dunn back to add some depth 
in that backcourt, and he is a defensive specialist that you can put on players in the East, like the Kimball Walkers, the Colin Sextons, the Kyrie Irvings, Drew Holidays. Like there's there's some guards here. I mean, in the East that you can put uh, Chris Dunn on, and he can go to work. I, I guarantee you one thing: if Chris Dunn is playing and he's going against Lamelo Ball, I think Lamelo Ball Lamelo Ball is going to have a much tougher time. I think Scary Terry has a much tougher time. When you talk about players in our backyard, you know Tyler Hero is going to have a much tougher time. Uh, Dragic, all those all those guards that we have to go against in the East. Uh, even though it's not the guards that you know are out west, you, to have you know someone who is defensive minded and Chris Dunn finally you know close to debut for the Hawks, I think it's going to be a real treat for this team. And before I let you go, I want to get your take. I said. As I said before in the last program, I project the Hawks will in seventh, get to the playoffs, go against the Sixers, six-game series, Sixers and them winning. Where do you see the Hawks at the end of the season? What seed and what matchup and how they fare? Who, 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 what are you foreseeing, uh, David Domus? <laughs> oh, that's definitely a new nickname. I have not heard that one before. Um you know that hmm. honestly i i really need to let me just pull up the standings really quick to see where they what everything is shaking out to look like at present <laughs> yeah so i mean because the, hawks, know, are right below right the hawks yeah and yeah right below them you know you got the knicks the bulls the pacers and the raptors um, of that mix, I would expect, and again, expectations are fleeting, as we clearly know in the NBA, um, and, and in reality, uh, just ask anybody who planned a, a wedding last year, you know, <laughs> didn't work out like that. <laughs> oh, <wow>. So, <laughs> so with that being said, um, I do expect, you know, the Pacers and the Raptors maybe to make a little bit of a late season push, uh, to try to get more firmly into the playoff window. But I mean, when you think about it, you know, typically the playoffs is only eight teams, but right now, I mean, if you top 10 seed you you're you're essentially going you, you know you're dancing in the sense because of the play-in so i think the hawks will probably be more in the play-in conversation than than solid solidified in a top six seed uh, i just don't really see them jumping over the celtics the hornets the heat the bucks the nets or the sixers i think if there was any team to skid out of that bunch it would probably be the hornets um just because again they're so young they're relatively unproven. The Lamella ball is incredibly fun. Um, but there's a reason that the Hornets are everybody's favorite lead pass team because they're not on national TV very much because they haven't really done a whole lot, especially not in the postseason. So this could be the year that all that changes. And at present, it, it looks really good. Um, so I would say that the Hawks and the Hornets are definitely going to be fighting for that, for that, you know, that last locked in spot. Um, but I think, you know, playing is honestly, in my opinion, the plan is going to be a, a really good challenge for the Hawks. And what it does is, if they win that play-in series, it builds incredible momentum for them to head into their first playoff appearance in the Trey Young era. Incredible momentum. And if it doesn't and they lose that play-in series, it's going to make them incredibly hungry to come back and prove everybody wrong that following season. Which, as we've clearly seen for a lot of these teams, is not such a bad thing. Think about what happened to those Golden State Warriors when they went in the seven-game series with the San Antonio Spurs before the Spurs went on to absolutely run through the Miami Heat in the finals. I mean, that was hey, a great hey, series. Hey, hey. That was a gr- that was a great series that the Warriors and the Spurs had, and that was a very young Warriors team. Those were the early flashes of 
the Splash Brothers. And we could see something like that in the Eastern Conference play-in game, especially if, you know, you got Ice Trey in the game showing up. So I, I think, like you said, you know, the skyline and the future is very bright in Atlanta. Uh, and I think that they should be very, very happy with everything uh, up to present. I could not agree more with you. And I have a bonus question before we end this program. I talk about similarities between the Golden State Warriors organization and us here in Atlanta, how Lloyd Pierce is comparable to Mark Jackson, getting those pieces, acquiring those assets, and then them having to make a change for a more offensive-minded coach and Steve Kerr. And then they had Mike Brown as a defensive mind, as the assistant coach in Golden State. They make their roster moves, and then boom, Golden State was Golden State that we know today. As far as this Hawks team, do you think they make Nick McMillan the head coach? Or do you think they bring in an offensive-minded coach to pair with Nate McMillan, similar to the Steve Kerr-Mike Brown dynamic, and really have an offensive-minded coach who knows how to put these players in situations to succeed, and it's not a stagnant offense, and, you know, they can these players can really buy into, just like they bought into what Steve Kerr was preaching and then the rest is history? Or do you think they bring, keep, you know, Nate McMillan as the head coach or name him as the head coach after the season, then they bring in a, a offensive-minded assistant coach and d- depending on, you know, what what route do you think they go as far as because I think that that's going to help take this Hawks team to the next level is having a real offensive guru to be paired with the defensive prowess that Nate McMillan has ex- established in his tenure here in the NBA. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a fun question. You know, honestly, in my personal opinion, eh, the Hawks would not be very well served to bring somebody in to essentially overcast Nate McMillan's influence. Um, and I say that for a couple reasons. The first reason I think it most obvious would just be, again, you're, you know, you're, you're muddling the locker room dynamic. You are, you are murky. You're making the waters more murky with another voice, a voice that has been told, Hey, you, you are the most influential voice, especially potentially if it would be a head coach and Nate McMillan would be moved back to an assistant role. You know, that would really throw off the dynamic there, especially at, you know, a time when, Maybe the roster was just really starting to lean on and show deference to, you know, the current head coach named McMillan. So I don't think that you want to do that um, for that reason. And for the second reason, very clearly, we saw how it played out in Minnesota. Now, Minnesota, the season's not over yet. Um, you know, I think Chris Finch is a good coach. Uh, I think he's going to do good things with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he did great things with Jokic, you know, um, and being able to help him build offensively out of the low block. And I think Towns is a very skilled passer and can do some really, really awesome things. Um, And it's just kind of, you know, between injuries and being lost in the wilderness of Minnesota with their record, you know, everybody's kind of forgotten about Towns. I think Finch will do a good job with him. Um, But what I don't think that they did a good job with was the way that they brought in um, a coach from another organization midseason and essentially just kind of put their coach on the curve. That would be, in my opinion, what it would look like if you did this with Nate McMillan. You essentially be sidelining him after he has not only weathered the storm, but potentially righted the ship depending on what everything looks like at the end of the season for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, So I just don't think that that's a route that you want to go. And I think there is a lot more likelihood to your point of them bringing in an offensively skilled assistant coach, because there's a lot more of those um, in the NBA, you know, especially when you think about a lot of these guys who are former players, I feel like there's so many point guards who are really good at creating offensive schemes and would 
be incredible for Trey Young's player development um, and continued ascension as an NBA superstar. So I definitely think that that's probably the route that you should go. But again, you know, I, I, it remains to be seen. I, I didn't necessarily expect them to get rid of Lloyd Pierce as quickly as they did, but I also didn't expect the Hawks to, you know, start off on fire the way that they did uh, and not in a good way, the Sacramento Kings way, which is a dumpster on fire um, behind a Jack in the box. So not what you want to see. Wow. Jill, if you're listening to this program, this we don't always rag on the Kings. I, I, you do wonderful work. So I just want to throw that out there, Jill. But you're absolutely right. We don't Shout want to out, rock Jill. The- Shout out, Jill. Shout you're out, right. Jill. Shout out, Jill. But we don't want to rock the boat too much. You're absolutely right. So I, I really think that probably you're, I think you're 100 right that the best play is to probably bring an offensive-minded assistant coach to really help with the X's and O's and you have that established leader, established voice, and Nick Vermillion, you continue to build, uh, take steps forward, and hopefully we can put together a roster that gets Nate McMillan past the second round of the NBA playoffs at some point uh, with this young core here in Atlanta, and we can keep this trend going as we're hot right now, and we don't want to be cold like Minnesota. I've been waiting on that. As soon as you brought him up, I've been waiting on that reference. Shout out Lil Yachty. Quavo. Lil Bo. Uh, Skip the Flipper and Young Thug. Great song, Minnesota. But David, I appreciate having you on the program today. Like I said, you've been caged up, and it's time to be released back onto the Hoop Ball Network. And I know you got something in the works, so... I'm going to give the floor to you. Let let the fans know how they can keep up with you and what you got cooking. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at DFB underscore three. And yeah, 100%. percent been out of the game for a little bit, but definitely uh, glad to be back on the block here. Uh, going to be hot off the bench, you know, instant offense to call me the microwave. Uh, just because I keep it hot and ready. Okay. Um, so yeah, check out my new pod, you know, double dribble. You know, we're going to be covering everything out of bounds and on the court. Uh, definitely going to be having Brad Harden as a regular guest here. And those episodes should be starting to come out on a much more regular basis. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all platforms. Make sure you subscribe, like, give a five-star review, and definitely make sure if you haven't already, you do all that for my main man here who had me on the program this evening, Mr. Brad Harden, the AT alien himself. I am so appreciative of any opportunity I have to come on here and talk hoops, uh, with any of my esteemed colleagues here at the hoop ball network, but definitely Brad, as I'm sure all of you know, listen to the program has quickly become a fan favorite and for good reason. So make sure you are checking him out. Make sure you're checking out everything that we're doing. Check out all our team pages on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're doing some really awesome things. we got some really awesome guys cranking out content. So we're going to be here for you. Fantasy, betting, everything else, hit us up. You need to stay up out the streets if you can't take the heat. Because they get cold like Minnesota. I, I, I just I had to, Dave. I, I had to. <laughs> I had to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for coming on the show. You heard him, hit him up, follow him, King Drip himself. If you want to learn about hoop takes, fashion, interior design, this man is a one-stop shop. Yeah, so he he's a he's a shining star on his network and a shining star. Period on this earth. So he's about to ascend to the building, but he's on the way to the penthouse, just like this show as well. So. Post-COVID, come party with us in the penthouse because we have some big things coming up uh, for both of us. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it to everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. That's no cap. 
Numbers do not lie. Hey, 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 hey. Shout out Larry June. We doing numbers here. Share with fellow Hawks fans and basketball enthusiasts across the globe. Follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That's at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T. Let's keep this train going, Hawks. Make it seven in a row tomorrow. Going into the West Coast trip because you know we about to Break it out west, shake it out west, and hopefully we can get some dubs out there and continue to make that playoff push. And as always, yeah.